Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. What's Wagner's rule of life number four? <laughs> Nothing good happens outside a strip club at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm sorry, I understand I might be like a dog with a bone on this, but this is just fundamentally wrong. It is an insult, but let's tee this up. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give Jeff a call at 414-799-1620. I'm sorry, I think this is absolutely ridiculous. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. If I woke up this morning feeling like I was one of the perpetually offended and the politically correct, I would be outraged over something that's going to be happening in downtown Milwaukee tonight because you see, brothers and sisters, I am being discriminated against. Eric Bilstadt is being discriminated against. My producer, Gru, is being discriminated against. As a matter of fact, if you are a male, you are being discriminated against at an event this that's going to be going on tonight after the Bucks game. But you know what? I'm okay with this. What am I talking about? I'm talking about a bar that's going to be having this huge party that, at least for the first hour, is going to be letting women in for free, but charging the dudes 20 bucks a piece. It is, I believe, technically illegal to have one of these ladies' nights. Um, but at the same time, I don't have an issue. Here is the story. And by the way, our number, if you want to join us, 414-799-1620. There, there's, a, there's a nightclub called the Lucid Lounge. Uh, it's on Milwaukee Street, uh, just north of Wisconsin Avenue. So you're talking about east of the river, north of Wisconsin Avenue. They, um, Shaquille O'Neal who's in a town, of course, because you've got the big Bucks game that's going on tonight. He is going to be appearing at this particular nightclub. Um, it's, it's been around for a few years. The doors open, I believe, at 10 o'clock at night. The tickets, it's, it's a ticketed event. You need a ticket to get in at least for the first couple hours. They're 20 bucks a piece, general admission, available in advance. If you want to get one of the VIP tables, that's more. I have no idea how much that costs because general admission or whatever, 10 o'clock at night, you know, that's, I, I'm not going to be standing in line there. But, okay, 20 bucks to get in, general admission. According to the Journal Sentinel, for the first hour tonight, ladies get in free. Ladies get in free, but the dudes have to pay 20 bucks to get in. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Actually, there's a Wisconsin Court of Appeals ruling from about 20 years ago, maybe even more than that, that says that this is a violation of the law, that you are, again, rewarding, you're you're taking, in this case, it's gender, and you're saying, okay, we're not going to charge the women, but we're going to charge the guys. Now, even though it is technically perhaps a problem in Wisconsin, I don't think the I don't think the legislature's ever clarified this. This is something that's never enforced. And I'll be honest with you up front, I don't have a problem with it not being enforced. Why do bars do this? Why do they offer ladies' nights? Why do they offer drink specials? Why do they offer, hey, we're gonna let the women in free for the first hour? Well, it's because and, and this might be something somewhat simplistic, but even in today's day and age, you know, guys want to go where girls are. 
All right, there I've said it. Guys want to go where girls are. And so the idea that these bars or these clubs have is, hey, if we can attract a bunch of women, we're going to attract even more guys because they're going to want to interact with the women. So tonight, for at least the first hour, ladies get in free, dudes pay 20 bucks. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I don't have a problem with this. Uh, I guess... I understand the business reason for it. Technically, perhaps I should be offended because why should I, if I was going to stand in line there, why should I have to pay $20 when somebody uh, gets a deal just because they are of the opposite gender than I am? It makes business sense. I don't have an issue with this. 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And actually, my guess is, for most of the guys that are thinking about going to this, the idea that there's going to be more women there makes it more attractive and more desirable for you to want to go. I mean, look, I I understand Shaquille O'Neal is a heck of an attraction, but at the end of the day, you know, if you're looking for a nightclub to go out to, it's great if Shaquille O'Neal is there, but the bottom line is you'd like to have a lot of women that you can dance with or interact with, right? 414-799-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. Does it bother you that this is an example of blatant gender discrimination? There's no other way to put it. It's blatant gender discrimination. I, however, don't have a problem with this. I think it makes business sense. And if I was a single guy, it wouldn't bother me either. Because if I'm out there, again, looking to meet women, I want to go to places where they're women. And if you have to let them in free and have me pay 20 bucks, I'm cool with that. Tom in Milwaukee. Tom, you're on WTMJ. I want to go to Hi, how are you doing today? Hi, Tom. Got to turn down your radio. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Okay. Hey, uh, so um, I used to own a, a, a blues bar, and, you know, it's it's something you do to get people in there. Like I was telling your producer, guys aren't going to come to your place if they know it's going to be an all-out sausage fest, you know? You want to get you want to get as many ladies in there, and, you know what, they really don't have a... They really don't have a problem paying. They may grumble about it, but when they get in there and they're in the most... Uh, <laughs> A population that they kind of feel really comfortable with, you know, like the, the female persuasion. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah it's, it's business. That's all it is, you right, know. Right. It's a way you, to fill the place. And, right. And the guys, right, you, maybe you're right. Maybe they grumble a little bit, but at the end of the day, if you're going out to a nightclub, you know, you, you in most cases, you one of the things you want to do is you want to meet members of the opposite gender yeah, that you can right. dance with and socialize with. And, and, and yeah, tech, is it discrimination? Yeah, it is. But boys and girls are different. And to me, it makes eminent business sense for the bar to do it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Okay, thanks for going. No, I, and I will tell you, I'm... I am not offended by this. Now, a number of people are texting tongue-in-cheek saying, what if I'm a male but I identify as a female? Um, I... I don't, <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't know how they decide that. I mean, all I know is, and again, I don't want to overcomplicate the thing. All I know is that you have ladies that get in free and guys that have to pay. And if somebody comes down there and is the guy that identifies as the girl, I, I, the guy that identifies as the gal, I don't know how they sort that out. That's not going to be my issue there. But again, the bottom line is, yes, it is discrimination, but it ends up in this case making perfect business sense and it's something that i don't think the vast majority of people are going to care about i bring this up simply because sometimes we get so wrapped up in political correctness and we get so wrapped up in in gender equity that we we end up i think losing you know missing the forest for for the trees and the reality is 
I mean, men and women are different. Um, I think sometimes it is appropriate to treat men and women differently. And this is one of those situations where, again, by treating people differently, you've got a good business reason for doing this. You benefit. It is to the benefit of the females because they're going to be getting in free for the first hour. But I don't think there's too many guys, like I say, that are going to be complaining about this. Why? Because, again, Shaquille O'Neal is a draw, but it's you know, you, you want to go where the gals are, generally. This is Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Now, see, here's the other great thing about, like, these ladies' night promotions. And, and I admit, it's first of all, it doesn't bother me. I don't think this is un- – is it discrimination? Yes, it is discrimination. You're treating women differently than you treat men because you're letting them into this party, you know, for free for an hour. But here's the other thing. What about the people that go at, as couples? Like, I got to tell you, if I was going to this party tonight, I would be taking my lovely and charming wife. So if we show up at the door, all right, and we pay to get in, okay, I pay the 20 bucks, but she's going to get in free. So actually, it turns out, instead of having to pay 40 bucks, I only have to pay 20 bucks. It's a deal. Now, of course, they also do have a dress code that they enforce there. My guess is this is one of the things where I could see the bouncer saying, okay, um, guy, Mr. Wagner, you're not getting in. You know, We're going to let your wife in and stuff, at which point in time she has to decide whether she's going to go in and hang out with Shaq and the beautiful people or le- and leave her loving husband on the street or, or come with me. See, Gru, my producer, is laughing. You, know, you, know, you, you and I, I could see Mrs. Gru and Mrs. Wagner, they're getting in. The bouncer's just saying, for some reason, no, you're, you're not, you guys aren't the ones we want, right? It's cheaper beer at the other bar anyway. Cheaper beer at the other bar. Okay, but then you can't hang out with Shaq. Eh, you know, you, but cheaper beer does have a certain appeal. There's no question about it. All right, this is a tactic. I just want to announce this up front. This is something that we are not going to be doing, at least on the Wagner program, for the next year and a half. Three Florida radio stations yesterday announced and these are these are all Florida radio stations kind of in the in the panhandle that like have the Tallahassee the Tallahassee area the the they're all owned by the, the same same guy and he has announced that on his three radio stations they are going to be airing at least twice a day snippets 2 minute excerpts of speeches from President Trump on all three radio stations, they're going to be devoting two minutes a day, at actually four minutes a day, in two separate things, and they're going to be airing snippets of President Trump's speeches, and they're going to do this every day, seven days a week, between now and November of 2020. Now, I don't know what criteria they're going to use to pick what snippets of speeches they're going to have. And, and the owner, of course, and it, it's his, it's his radio station, so he gets to decide what he's going to do. But, but he's decided, okay, this, this is what my listening audience wants. They want snippets of speeches from President Trump, and I'm going to do that two minutes a day. Well, I don't mean to disappoint you, because I guess I could do that as well until, my program director or the general manager came in and said, what are you doing? But but we're not going to do that. And in fairness, we're not going to be playing two-minute snippets from Bernie Sanders' speeches or um, Joe Biden's speeches or Elizabeth Warren's speeches. We're not going to be doing that because, to me, I, I just don't think that no matter how involved and active you are in politics, I'm not sure it's good radio to, again, we're just going to play snippets from candidates' speeches every day, all the time. But if you want that... There's at least three radio stations in Florida that will give you exactly that. This is Jeff Wagner. Stick around. 
Back for more, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Story out of Madison. And let me just be real clear up front. I think this 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 gym teacher in Madison is being railroaded. He's been charged with a felony, reckless child abuse, because he opened a door after a kid had shut it. After being told not to shut the door, the kid got hit in the head, and now the teacher has been charged with a felony. Now, let me kind of back into this. Um, I, I remember... And again, maybe this is just me being a dinosaur. I remember sitting in seventh grade math class, and our math teacher passed away a number of years ago. This is back in the day where they had chalkboards. He would throw erasers at people who doped off in class. You know, if you if you were talking or you were napping or whatever, he'd haul off and he'd take these, these erasers, and he'd throw them, and they'd hit you in the head. Now, he never threw one at me, but he'd hit you in the head. Chalk would go flying, and, you know, the person that got hit would be startled, and everybody would kind of laugh at that person. You were embarrassed, but you know what? You didn't do it again after you got hit with the, the chalk. And, yes, it was embarrassing. Nobody ever got hurt. But that's what he used to do. And you know what? Everybody came out of that math class, none the worse for wear. Well, my goodness, don't try doing something like that today. And don't try, I don't know, getting a little bit physical with a student. So here's the deal. The guy is a 60-year-old physical education teacher at an elementary school, Franklin Elementary School. He has been teaching in the district for more than 30 years. So we're not talking about a rookie. We're talking about somebody that's been there for years. This all starts April 1st after a student comes home from school and tells his mother that a teacher caused an injury on his forehead. All right. They then rush to the Dane County uh, Health Services Department where the the worker, um, the kid says that the teacher slammed a door in the kid's face. Okay, so here's here's what what happens apparently it's a gym teacher so you know you go to gym class they divide you into groups for different activities you five guys go play basketball i don't know but they divide them into groups the kid the kid said well i didn't want to be in a group with one of the other kids who was in my group because that child has been mean to me so I went to the gym teacher and I said, I don't want to be in this group with this other kid. I don't want to be with Gru. And the gym teacher essentially said, too bad. <laughs> you guys are, are in the group. The student gets mad, gets mad. Well, I can't believe they're not letting me change groups. And the student leaves class, walks out of class to walk in a hallway before slamming the door to the gym. Okay, so the door is open, the kid walks out because he's not being allowed to change groups, and he slams the door to the gym behind him. The teacher goes over, opens the door, the kid's out in the hallway, and tells the kid, leave the door open. Oh, the horrors, leave the door open. The kid says, I wasn't going to listen to the teacher, and the kid started to kick the door and then slam it. Okay? Slam you've been told not to shut the door. Kid kicks the door and he slams it. The teacher, the gym teacher, comes over and he pushes the door open. All right? The kid is on the other side and apparently when the teacher pushes the door open, the handle hits the kid in the head. 
Officers, I'm reading now from the story, officers investigating the incident reported seeing a visible bump about three quarters of an inch slightly above the student's left eyebrow. The officer noted there was a gash in the middle of the bump. Oh, the horrors. And the student confirmed that this is where the door hit him. So, you know, a lot of times you'll tell people don't let the door hit you in the you know where on the way out. In this case, all right, the kid who had kicked the door and slammed it shut got hit in the forehead when they pushed it open. Um, all right. Uh, officer said the student indicated the teacher swung his arm out in front of him to open the door and said he was yelling at the kid to stop kicking the door. Oh, oh the horrors. Stop kicking the door. Another teacher said that, well, um, the, that they were, they were watching this. And that this other teacher said she told the first teacher open the door that she, he should stop trying to push the door open because she was worried that the door would hit the student. She said the student began screaming and crying after the door hit him, and she ran over to him and helped him walk to the health office. All right, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. In Dane County, this incident translates into a criminal charge of reckless child abuse causing bodily harm against the teacher. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think this is absolutely ridiculous. Now, look, I understand we don't have corporal punishment. We don't have teachers that beat students and things like that anymore. But, you know, the bottom line of this is the problem in this case is the out. Once again, it's the out of control student. Is it unfortunate that the student got hit in the head when the teacher opened the door? Yes, that is unfortunate. I'm sorry. It's horrible. The kid has a bump above his eyebrow. But how did this happen? What was the genesis of it? Well, it was the kid who storms out of the classroom, slam, starts kicking the door, slams the door shut after being told not to, and then when the teacher goes to open it, boom, he gets hit in the head. Well, okay, whose fault is this? And I don't think it's the teachers. 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I mean, you know, I, I get, again, I get that, you know, teachers should be physical with kids. But there are times when it's the kid that puts this chain of events in motion. And to bring criminal charges against this teacher is, in, at least in my opinion, an appalling, appalling Lack of shows an appalling lack of discretion on the part of the DA. 414-799-1620. And rather than treating this kid as the victim, maybe we should be focusing on the kid's misbehavior that led to this. I don't want to be in this group. I'm going to walk out. I'm going to slam the door. And when they open the door, I'm going to kick it shut again. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. How are you doing? Good. What do you think? Well, first of all, I think it's ridiculous, number one. And number two, I think it's just a total disregard. It kind of shows how much of a disregard for authority that kids nowadays have. And then, yeah. and then your parents back them out. I oh, mean, oh right, and, and the teacher, the, the teacher is I mean, the my, victim. My parents, I'd have been more afraid of my parents kicking my butt than you know. Oh, oh yeah, you know. yeah, exactly, Dave. You know, can you imagine going home? Hey, how how did you get that 
And look, it, it's not like the kid was hospitalized. This isn't stitches. The kid has a bump on his head where he's apparently, you know, got his head or his face down by the door handle and the teacher opens it up. Yeah, can you imagine? Hey, hey, Jeff. Hey, Dave. How did you get that bump on your head? Well, all right. I threw a fit in gym class. I stalked out. I slammed the door. I kicked the door. The teacher opened it up. I shut it. Yeah, I shut it again. And then when he pushed it open, it hit me. Can you imagine describing that to your mom or dad or my mom and dad? Uh, well, yeah. not if I didn't want to get my rear end kicked on the step. <laughs> right, oh. right. Yeah, I, I guarantee you the reaction wouldn't be, gee, we're going to run to the social services people and try to dime out the teacher. It would be, where did I go wrong in raising you that you thought it was okay to be so out of control? Well, the other part that, that's sad, too, is is that another teacher basically came and, you know, and, and um, comforted the, you know, basically took the, the side of the kid. Right. The other, the other, I mean, that's the other part, too. It's kind of like, you know, where whatever happens in the days when, you know, fine, you, you, grant, granted, you can't, you know, it's not socially acceptable to have corporal punishment anymore. Even right. When we went to school, I don't right. know about your age, I mean, we get our butt kicked, you know. Oh, yeah. No, no, you're ashamed. No, you're right. No, thanks for the call. All right. 414-799-1620. Here's a text. This is why we're losing good teachers. I'm a retired teacher at the age of 35. I, I turned stay-home mom. I'm not going to go back to teaching because of situations like this. That's Angela. Now, Beth's got a different perspective. She says, well, if this had hit the child in a different place on his head, it could have killed him. This was a child. Um, the teacher should have controlled his temper. 414-799-1620. But it didn't kill him. And this is a door. It's not like the teacher took a hammer to the out-of-control kid. Um, this was a bump that the kid got as an incidental portion of being in the wrong place and misbehaving. And for look, if you wanted to counsel this teacher and say, okay, maybe um, you got to be more careful in the future, don't open the door. But to charge him with recklessly causing a bodily injury to a child, I just think it's way out of out of line. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. We continue in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to take your calls. Here's WGMJ's Jeff Wagner. Here's a text. Jeff, when I went to school years ago, if I came home and told my dad what happened, he would have made the other eye match the one that I got when the door hit me, and then he would have made me go back to school and apologize. Yes. Kaylee in Horfordville, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi. So I was listening, and my 9-year-old daughter just heard that, and she said, oh, my gosh, Mom, that kid is crazy. That's awful. So your your nine well your your my guess is your nine year old daughter wouldn't have walked out of the gym class wouldn't have slammed the door after being told not to and so I, I get you know, I wonder what the other kids think when they're watching this stuff go on I would hope they're appalled because that's crazy yeah I mean I and I guess I I mean okay Kaylee obviously we're we're different ages but I mean I I can't imagine going home to my parents and telling them the story and my parents trying to view me somehow as the victim it would be you did what you did what you know what why did you Absolutely. think that, that was okay yeah <laughs> well okay we we got to give your 9 year old daughter what's her name Genevieve. We've got to give Genevieve a lot of credit for having more common sense than apparently at least some people in in Madison have. So that's a tribute Absolutely. to her. <laughs> thanks for calling us, uh, Kaylee, and thanks for sharing. I see. I, I love it when people call up and they're they, they've got their kids listening to the program as well. We get them young. We've got them forever. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Now look, I. I guess what's really set me off about this is the DA's office has brought criminal charges. If you want to argue. 
that, that maybe the teacher should have walked away and that maybe when the out-of-control kid was kicking the door and slamming it, maybe he, he should just, just have let it go because, well, you know, you, you don't want to take any chance that the little darling, you know, might might get hit by opening the door. I, I, I understand that. And maybe that's something where, you know, the principal whistles the guy in and says, look, we, we understand that you were being provoked by this kid and, and we understand all these different circumstances, but, you know, we need you to we need you to let it go. All right, this, is, this isn't this is 1975 anymore. We need you to let it go. Okay, if you would have said that, and that's what the discussion was having, maybe I would dial dialed it down. But they've charged this guy. They have charged this 30-year, this guy who's been teaching for 30 years, this 60-year-old man has been charged with a crime in Dane County. That's what I think is outrageous. Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hey, thanks for having me. Hi, Mark. You know, I just think it's absolutely ridiculous the things that our teachers have to go through. And the fact that they would actually go forward and press charges like this, you know, the main thing you should look at, in my opinion, is obviously there was no intent to harm the student. He doesn't have x-ray vision. He can't see through the door. And right. the student started to slam the door in the first place, you know? Right. Well, what right? What are you supposed to do? You are the authority figure. You're in the gym class. You're responsible for keeping control of the class. You've got this out-of-control kid who's screaming and kicking the door and slamming the door. You tell the kid, leave the door open, and he flat-out ignores you. Have we really gotten to the point where you're going to let the elementary school students, you know, run the school? Has it come to that? Of course not, and you can't. And, you know, it really begs the question that what, what can we do about this going forward? We, we need someone or some type of group that can advocate for people in situations like this that are completely unfair and make no sense at all. Almost like maybe a, a union or, or some type of collective bargaining, you know? Well, yeah, interesting, except I don't think it ends. You know, I mean, look, and I, I, I understand, but I, I don't know that this is one where even the union's going to – would. and, of course, this is Dane County, and I, I don't know about this particular school, but actually the, the Madison teachers still retain, you know, a ton of power over something like this. And I, But I don't know where they're going to come down on it because you have to understand this is, this is the politically correct world that we live in. Oh, how dare you do anything that might have caused – in this case, it, it's it's a bump. It's a bump on the kid's forehead because the teacher pushes the door open when the kid didn't want him to do it. Well, okay, he's the teacher. He's the grown-up. Tom in Germantown. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, yeah, this is, I, I mean, this goes to the nature of where teachers go. Teachers are going at this point. I mean, I, I, I'm a former teacher. I taught in Milwaukee. There's, you can't do anything anymore without the fear of being brought to legal action. Yeah. You literally can do nothing. Right. Yeah, this isn't even, I'm, gee, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. This is, I'm being charged in criminal court. This could take away my liberty. I could go to prison for this. Oh, yes. And, and far, uh, far from it, the, the kid was at fault here. Yes. Obviously. I mean, the kid was out of control. But there's no there's no repercussion for that because oh poor kid he got hit in the head with the door that he wasn't supposed to be slamming in the first place right <laughs> right <laughs> no that's that that's ex- that he, he wasn't supposed to be slamming they've been told he wasn't supposed to be slamming he's he's out of class when he's not supposed to be there you know it's one thing after another and oh his face got his head got bumped really and that's what you're going to charge the that's what you're going to charge the teacher with. Well, and the unfortunate consequence becomes that teacher that said that she was there probably is going there to save her own skin and saying, 
that she told the other teacher not to do anything, so that way she wouldn't be charged as well. Because, again, that's the fear that teachers have nowadays. Yes. Yeah, well, exactly, right. No, we, you know, I, I don't, don't bring me into this, right? I, I'm washing my hands of this. No, thanks for calling. And, and just, just so you understand the significance of this, um, recklessly causing bodily harm. I mean, it's in Wisconsin statutes, physical abuse of a child. It's a particular statute. And, um, this would be, this would be a class I felony. A class I felony, which I think off the top of my head, it's either two and a half or it's five years potentially in prison for this. I mean, seriously, this is where we are in this state. Now, again, it, it, you got the Dane County District Attorney's Office, which in my this is another example where I think some of the, the people making charging decisions don't have the sense that God gave a goose. And we we've seen a lot of that over the years. But in this particular case, I mean, you want to be a teacher. You want to be a teacher? Well, oh, okay. You want to deal with out-of-control kids? Well, all right. This this might be the ghost of uh, Christmas future. It's 12.57. This is Jeff Wagner. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So, Eric, should my feelings have been hurt? So here's the deal. Like, Monday night... I'm I'm emceeing this. It's, it's Armed Forces Week, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff going around, yeah. going on in the area, and and every year they have a, a banquet, and I'm I'm kind of the major. I'm, I'm the MC that they okay. invite, which is very very nice. So we're it's at the Wisconsin Club. We're there. I'm there with my wife. She always enjoys this as well. And there's, there's a number of people are getting awards. Bob Euchre was there, and he was presenting an award to Robin Yount. You know, and of course. You know, it's it's like a comedy routine. It, it's fun, and afterwards, you know, people are kind of hanging around, and and my wife says to me, uh, "Would you introduce me to Bob Euchre?" And I said, "Well, sure, I'll introduce you to Bob." So I go up, and I'm Bob. This is my wife, Fran, etc. And then she wants a picture. I said, "You know, can we can we get a picture?" And he says, "Sure." And I, I say to my wife, "I said, okay, do you want me in this picture, or just you and Euchre?" And she's like, yeah. "She's like, I, yeah, yeah, exactly." She's like, "No, I, I just want me and, and Bob Euchre." I mean, we he said, "You and I are in pictures all the time." This is <laughs> and I'm like, huh, you know, okay. So I, you know, I, I was, I've been, I, at the time, I thought, well, I, I get it. It's Bob Euchre, you know, I, it's all that. Um, but now I'm, more and more I've been thinking about it. I said, what am I, chopped liver there or something? I guess it but, depends on how big of a picture she prints out of this and hangs <laughs> right, in your house. Right, yeah, where is it going to be? No, it, it, it went out on her Facebook page and things like that. No, I'm, I'm just kidding because it was a very nice thing and Bob was gracious as always. But I was, it was kind of like, no, she wants this. It's not the two of us. It's, you know, and, and, and almost all the pictures we take at these things are the, the two of us but this was or people will come up and they want my picture and she'll end up taking it but this was the opposite mm-hmm. no no I, I i i want a real celebrity i want bob Euchre. Right. I, I, I deal with you all the time i got past that one it was it was just one of those experiences okay let's get started for this hour i do not live in the city of milwaukee and i can't i cannot imagine a circumstance moving forward where i will live in the city of milwaukee so I think the mayor's latest idea is a good one. (laughs) But if I lived outside of downtown, I would have all sorts of concerns about this plan. Our number, by the way, if you want to join us, 414-799-1620. All right, here's the the latest idea. Now, the the mayor is trolley obsessed. We we all know that. This is his legacy and things like that. Um, So in an effort... 
There's multiple purposes. One of the purposes behind this idea is to, uh, again, justify extending the streetcar line. But but that that doesn't mean that there's not other valid purposes behind this. If you picture Wisconsin Avenue between 3rd Street and 5th Street, across from the convention center uh, to the to the east – is Grand Avenue, and it to the east, it used to be the Boston store. Well, now there's no more Boston store, but that's where this is. And then you go across the street, so you're going to the west, and there's this two-block area, and then the next the, the next block over is, oh, it used to be the Mark Plaza. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on the name of the hotel. Is it the Hilton now that's down there? But but it's Wisconsin Avenue. It's those two blocks, and and it's a parking lot, and it's been a parking lot Oh, for about the last 30-some years. It's a surface parking lot. If you go down for things at the convention center, maybe that's where you end up parking. But it's it's prime downtown real estate that has been a city-owned surface parking lot. Now, part of the reason that it's been a parking lot is because back in the day, before the Pottawatomie Casino was located in the Menominee Valley, and this is just a little bit of Milwaukee history for some of you who might not have been around then, one of the ideas was let's have the casino on Wisconsin Avenue where it's easily accessible to people and it could be part of, again, a thriving downtown area. Well, there were people, including the mayor at the time and some of the downtown business community, who didn't want the competition. And so they they essentially pushed the Pottawatomie into the Menominee Valley down there. So as a result of that, you've had this this surface parking lot that has been there for the last, you know, 30-some years, ever since an old hotel got torn down. So here is Barrett's idea. Barrett says, this is what I want to do. I want to take this vacant parking lot and I want to convert it into a a public plaza. I want to have it have a trolley stop, a streetcar stop. I want to have it have a cafe. I want to name it after civil rights pioneer Vel Phillips. You know, I I want to have it there. I I can view, you know, we'll have a little bit of green space. We'll have this outdoor area. It will be a town square for downtown Milwaukee. We'll have, again, large plaza. It'll have the bus stop. It'll have green space. This will be wonderful, um, and it'll all ultimately tie in maybe with all the stuff going on at the Pfizer Forum several blocks to the north. And it's going to cost around $5 million. Now, I didn't just fall off the turnip truck. I understand that this this is, like I say, it's it's driven in part because it's a justification for extending the trolley. Oh, let's bring it up. We'll have that as a trolley stop. This will be the big justification. Okay, but but beyond that, I guess I look at this and I say, you know, uh, trying to do something with this vacant parking lot is not a bad idea. And and, and yeah, it, it looks the conceptual drawings look nice and it does look like a, a place that, uh, again, might attract people as more and more people go to downtown. So despite the fact that it's a stalking horse for increasing the trolley, I don't necessarily think a a downtown town square in this vacant parking lot is a bad idea. But here's what I want to talk about with you. Like I say, I am offering this perspective from somebody who doesn't live in the city of Milwaukee, and I just can't imagine a situation where I am going to be living in the city of Milwaukee. All right, so it's not my money that is involved. If you drive around the city of Milwaukee, what you see is large parts of the community 
that are in really bad shape. I mean, you've got rundown areas, you've got lack of economic development, you've got all sorts of problems out there. And I guess my question is, given all the other needs, while I think taking millions of dollars and turning, you know, that parking lot on Wisconsin Avenue into a little town square, I think that sounds like kind of an interesting idea, and it maybe would be some place that I would go from time to time. When you spend that money, when you do something like that, you are doing it at the expense of other areas of of the city, areas which have been neglected for quite a while. 414-799-1620, that is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we putting too many resources into downtown Milwaukee at the expense of the near south side, the far south side, the southwest side, the northwest side, the north side? 414-799-1620. It does seem like every bright, shiny object, it goes downtown. And and I think there there's a value to that. I mean, I, I understand, but... All right. Are there more pressing needs and are we spending too many resources on downtown? 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I guess if I were an alderman representing the northwest side and I was driving through the northwest side the other day and, you know, it's there there's some needs. If you drive through the north side, you know, and you hear about all the different problems and the lead pipes and stuff, 414-799-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are we focusing too much on downtown? Uh, Gru is lining up the calls. We're back to discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Here's a text. Jeff, the mayor keeps saying they do not have any money for roads, but he wants to spend a ridiculous amount of money for trolleys and now $5 million additional dollars to redo a parking lot for a civic area. How can he keep a straight face saying there's no money for roads when he keeps doing side projects? Mike in Milwaukee says, Jeff, it's obvious the mayor is just trying to create more tax corridors. And yes, he only cares about downtown, as that is the area that attracts outside visitors and their money. 414-799-1620. Let's start with Rex in Bayview. Hi, Rex. Hey, how you doing? Good. Uh, I, what, I just wanted to make a quick comment here. I'm a lifelong Bayviewer. I'm 56 years old. I've seen the... Uh, the the starting of the whole Bayview South Shore area. Uh, I do about 130 to 160 miles a day within a five county radius, uh, five counties: Milwaukee, Waukesha, Racine, Kenosha, some of Ozaki. Uh, that northwest area over by Northridge. Yep. Man, something has got to happen soon because, you know, on one side you've got the deployed Northridge, on the other side you have a deployed Target. And and I don't see any anything happening over there. No, well, you're, you're not. You're never going to run that streetcar up that far. <laughs> no, I mean, yeah, yeah. If I was the alderman, you know, for that area, I'd be saying, wait a second. Look, I and I understand. You know, you want downtown revitalization, but but what about us? If I was a north side alderman, I'm going. Wait, I've got lead in these pipes. You know, I, I've got these lawsuits that are out there. What what about us? And we're going. Well, okay, let's let's repave this parking lot and repurpose it for five million dollars as a as a town center. It sounds nice to me but is that the best use of, of money right yeah i'm unsure of that part really uh, am. right now thanks for calling i mean i guess see that that's to me the issue like i say as somebody who doesn't live in the city of milwaukee yeah the, the, the conceptual plans look great and let, let's forget again the stalking horse stuff with the trolley but 
I, I mean, really? It, aren't there other needs throughout the city? How many resources do you have to spend and put on for the bright, shiny objects that you're going to put downtown where you've got other real, real problems that could you know use money? Ronald in Milwaukee. Ronald, you're on WTMJ. Hey, how, how are you? I am well, thank you. Okay. Oh, good. What about the Civic Plaza? Yeah, uh, I, I actually, uh, I live off the 60th in Oklahoma, in between Oklahoma and uh, Cleveland. Right. And, our ro- and on 60th, our roads have been so bad for the last, I would say, 10 years. And uh, I've been having my cars up to the mechanic, I'll bet you, probably about... Ten times already, and we have two cars. Right. And I refuse, me and my wife refuse to buy a brand new car because of these roads mm-hmm. are being so bad. But right. the biggest thing is that I'm upset about is that I've talked to our alderman, and he said, uh, you know, there's not too much that they can do about this. And I says, For, furthermore, the comment is that the mayor made last week, he talked to a, a gal and she said, is that I've lived here in Milwaukee all my life. So have I. I'm 74 years old. And he made a comment to uh, tell this woman he had the nerve enough to say that this is pothole season. I have <laughs> never heard anything so stupid coming out of the mayor's mouth. It's, now, it's pothole, thing, it's pothole season. Just put up with it. He doesn't have to worry about driving on these roads because he's got... He's got uh, his security driving him back and forth to work. Well, no, so I mean, they, see, I, no, Ronald, I'm, I'm going to stop, stop you there. But look, and I, I, I just, I mean, it's it's a question of priorities, and and we're we're looking for the bright, shiny objects, and you're having all these resources that are spent downtown. Now, I do believe that some of these ideas are generated partially by this desire that this is going to be a further justification for running the trolley and things like that. But I, I mean, I am wondering about the Common Council that just kind of blindly, and there are a couple exceptions, but blindly signs off on this. I mean, here's a text. Jeff, how about selling the property for $5 million to someone who wants to add something shiny and new and then use that money on projects around the city? Yeah, I mean, that's a city-owned lot. Maybe you go find a, a developer or someone who wants to do something with that and will actually pay you for it, huh? Interesting idea. Um, you know, uh, let's see another text. Jeff, the other night I took an Uber passenger to an area near Capitol Drive. She pointed out home after home after home that was in disrepair and were for sale for $2,000. Now, I think, you know, that raises this interesting point. If you're going to spend millions of dollars, all right, you know, maybe think of think of the different types of redevelopment you could do think what you could do with five million dollars when you go i don't know into some of the areas on the 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 in some of the more economically challenged areas of the city well it's nice to take this deserted parking lot and it's nice to turn it into something bright shiny and new and like i say look the plans look great to me but is that the best use of dough when you consider all the other things that you might be able to do with five million dollars and nobody asks 
these questions. I mean, I'm looking at the coverage of this plan, and everybody is saying, oh, my God, this is going to be just absolutely wonderful. Look at these artist drawings, and it's going to be tremendous, and it's going to be wonderful, and it's going to be beautiful. And, and you know what? It, it does look like it's really, really nice. I'm, I'm not arguing with that. And, again, as somebody who doesn't live in the city of Milwaukee, well, I could see, I'm not sure how often we'd go down there, but I, I could see, oh, this would be a nice destination. It would be nice something to do. But it comes at the expense of all sorts of other things that could be done in the city. Um, and I'm just wondering if members of the Common Council who don't represent the downtown area, if you're at some point in time going to wake up and say, well, what about us? You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. I am so happy for my friend and colleague, John Mercure, because... He's going to be broadcasting like Wisconsin's Afternoon News today is going to originate from outside Pfizer Forum today and Friday because you've got the first two games of the NBA Eastern Conference finals. And, you know, he'll be doing his entire show from down there. Now, that's great. I know John loves to go on the road. I like to go on the road when we have the right opportunities as well. But what's really cool is I think this might be... I think this might be the first time that they've really had decent weather. I mean, it, it's just for the for the the home games. It seems like it's been a streak of either cold or rainy or snowy or just generally miserable. And and tonight, you know, right now the temperature here is sixty five degrees. It's supposed to get, I think, into the fifth down to the fifties. But it's still it's going to be very moderate. It's going to be dry. It's going to be a wonderful thing. So if you're if you have tickets to the game. Um, I would encourage you to go down there early and partake of all the great things that are going on at Fiserv Forum. Um, or alternatively, um, even if you don't have tickets to the game, they've got the big outdoor watch party that goes on. They've got all those bars and restaurants as, as you see this development that's going on. You know, go down and enjoy it because this is really, again, I understand people have gone down before, uh, but you had to be a hardier sort. This looks like it's going to be a really good opportunity. So go down and check that out. And if you happen to be down there from 3 till 6 and then a little bit after 6 with Greg Matzik and Sports Central, be sure to go say hi to some of my colleagues. All right. Maybe this will cause you to just say, oh, my gosh, this is this guy who is completely out of touch. Old timer. Don't you realize what's really going on? But here, I'm just going to say this. I don't think kids need cell phones before they start high school. I, I just I I don't. Now I understand that some people get their children's cell phones as, as young as the age of eight, but I don't think kids need cell phones before the age of fourteen. And even then, even when they are in high school, once they get cell phones, I think the parents really have to pay a lot of attention to what the kids are doing with them. Now, what brought this up is there was a story yesterday in the Wall Street Journal. The headline was, Teens Smuggle Burner Phones to Defy Parents. Gru, do you know what a burner phone is? Yeah, a, a burner phone, if you, what what these are, burner phones are, are cheap, essentially disposable cell phones that you can buy for very, very little. You use them for a while, and then, you know, you, you get rid of them. You have, like, a prepaid card that you use, and then you get rid of them. They are very popular. Uh, if you watch the TV show Breaking Bad, you know, the, the drug dealers, they use burner phones. You, you use them, you do the drug deal, then you tear them up, you throw them away, and they'd be, they'd be almost untraceable. You, you saw that on the TV show The Wire as well. Well, the story in the Wall Street Journal is talking about how you have these kids 
who, you know, the parents let them get the cell phones, but they become so wrapped up in the, the cell phone culture. It's just, oh, my gosh, we have to have these. We have to be using them every minute. We have to be on them every minute. We have to be texting to our friends and back and forth that when the parents try to rein them in, okay, that that's enough. you got to do your homework. We want you to go to bed, whatever. What a lot of kids have done is they've turned to buying the, these, these burner phones, these separate phones, and, you know, they'll be on them and they'll be using them. So, you know, even if their parents are monitoring their regular phone, well, you know, mom and dad don't see the fact that the kid's sending text messages or whatever at 1030 or 11 o'clock at night or midnight or using the phone for whatever purpose. Because, again, it's this burner phone. It's a disposable one. They're not using their regular one. And the story in the Wall Street Journal talks about what a problem this is. All right. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. A lot of young people believe that the phone is the lifeline, that, you know, you, you have to have the cell phone. You have to be able to text. You have to be able to call. You have to be able to access the Internet in this fashion. And if you can't, well, I mean, your life is over. Right? At what age is appropriate? Do, do, does a 10-year-old need to have the cell phone? Does an 8-year-old need to have a cell phone? Does the 12-year-old need to have the cell phone? What age is appropriate, and how do you control it? 414-799-1620. Again, I, I understand whenever I launch into these topics, I always inevitably get somebody who says, Jeff, you don't have kids. You don't, you don't understand the social pressure and the stuff that's out there. But I, I swear, I mean, I don't understand why somebody below high school age needs to have a, a cell phone. 414-799-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I say this, you know, as somebody who grew up in an era where there weren't cell phones. Now, admittedly, there were pay phones around like that. But the truth was, you know, when I was in sixth and seventh grade, I, I wasn't on my own with any degree of, of frequency. There was always some adult chaperone or something. 414-799-1620. All right. What is the appropriate age? All right. Do you need a cell phone at seven? Do you need a cell phone at eight? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. We're back. So glad to have you with us. Here's a text from Dana. Jeff, my oldest kids are 10 and 13 and they don't have phones. My oldest daughter will probably get one this coming winter when she turns 14. But we aren't set on that yet. Now, that again, that strikes me as kind of kind of being a, a Appropriate. Um, let's see. Jeff, my daughter is four, and this is already on my radar. Have you heard of the Wait Until Eight organization? Movement's purpose is to band together and commit no smartphone until eighth grade. I think we as parents with these standards need to connect so that the kids without phones or smartphones can connect and not feel so isolated. Yeah, I I, I mean, okay, eighth grade, I'm, I'm saying 14, which would probably be for most kids' high school. 414-799-1620. Dan in Walbatosa. Hi, Dan. Hi, Jeff. How are you? Real well, thank you. Okay, what's the appropriate age? I think somewhere in that 14 to 16. really depends on the kid. Uh, I have a 10-year-old who has a GPS wristwatch that can dial three numbers plus 911. Okay. That way we can track him if he's at a summer camp or at an after-school event. Uh, we forget to pick him up from school. <laughs> right. He has the ability to then call us. Hey, where are you? Hey, I'm in need of help. 
whatever the case may be. Right, but he's not. He he doesn't have the ability to spend hours texting his friends or on the phone to anybody other than presumably you, your wife, and whoever else is that third person. Right, right. Yeah. He's, he's been asking for years. I need a phone. Who are you going to call? I don't know. <laughs> right. Yeah, don't what? Need it, right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Explain to me what exactly the need is. Right. If I forget to pick you up after basketball practice, you can get in touch with me, and and I'll be yep. there. But right. Okay. Are you the bad dad for doing that? Um, I have been told that I am different, and I've been always been more than okay with that. <laughs> you get a job, and you can buy it. You can buy whatever kind of phone you want. You can live with it. No, thanks for the call. Okay, four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. What what is the what is the appropriate age? And I guess what really struck me about this Wall Street Journal article is it's it's not only that the high school kids have the cell phones because they they feel that they they need that, but now it's when mom and dad try to put restrictions on them, they're buying these burner phones unknown to mom and dad, so they're using them anyways. And I would tell you if those were my kids, and I found that going on, that would be the end of the cell phone period jody in milwaukee jody or wtmj hello yeah how you doing today real well thank you on. sure so yeah my story is is a little interesting um we gave my daughter a cell phone when uh, she was eight years old and um you know we thought hey everyone else is doing it you know why not and and really the you know we wanted her to have a way to contact us if you know if for whatever reason sure. she was a friend or she was you know uh, at someone else's house or whatever it may be and uh, we really noticed a huge behavioral change. Um, and to the point where just this last December, um, we, we, we took her in and, and they actually diagnosed her with high-functioning um, uh, high autism. Okay. And really kind of interesting because she had not really had any um, signs of that in the past. Um, we kind of rejected the diagnosis a little bit and really started doing some research. And my wife ended up finding a study um, that linked uh, autistic behaviors to cell phone usage at a really young age. And, uh, so she's, she, there's some authors who've, who've published a few books on it. Um, long story short, um, in December, we, we took away all devices from our kids, um, which a lot of people mm-hmm. thought we were crazy, you know, with the way in which uh, our culture has a cell phone. Sure. But we have seen a complete 180 in her behavior and all of those autistic things that she was doing or things that would be associated with being autistic have, have for the most part, gone away and it, a completely huh. different child. What do you, um, I mean, what do you attribute that to? I mean, is, I mean, do you really think there's some causation there? So it, 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 the studies that we have read have, have, have shown that it's not that your child is autistic. It is that um, some of the symptoms that come out uh, lead to a, a autistic diagnosis. Right. So I don't know if if there's an actual link or not, but um, we have seen a huge difference mm-hmm. uh, to the point where again we 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 do not have her let her have a cell phone at all anymore. Interesting. Uh, in in the way that what the studies will say is the way that uh, the brain reacts, you know, whether it's the dopamine or whatever that specific uh, right. behavior is that, that, that's causing it. Um, so. I'm I'm a big proponent of of holding off on cell phones for you know I, I like 14 um, you, you know but really right. for a long period of time to not have a cell phone. Interesting. Now, thanks for calling again. I I don't know I I don't know whether you're seeing cause don't know whether you're seeing causation or or what you're going to find. But uh, yeah, you mean you you've got that that whole situation there, and I. I I guess I just I kind of wrestle with this idea of, of of why do you need something 
you know, like that, given given the distractions that are out there and given that kind of wild world that is out there, and even with the best of intentions, how do you rein that in, and how do you make sure that people, that the kids are using them as they're intended to use them? 414-799-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Scott in Naperville. Scott, good afternoon. You're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff, thanks for having me on. Sure. Um, I, maybe a different perspective is, you know, it's all about parenting 101, right, and giving them responsibility, being in Naperville, Originally from Two Rivers, so quite an adjustment for us. We are, you know, we're. I love Two Rivers. Two Rivers is a great community. Two Rivers is a great community. Anybody listening? Um, But, you know, Naperville, it could take you, you know, it could be 10, 20 miles from one side of town to the other. So our kids, we gave them cell phones at a a young age, or didn't give them, but allowed them to use um, because I bought the phone, so Mm -hmm. it was on my rules. And you know, you drop when you say young age, just out of curiosity, Scott, what's a young age? Uh, well, we gave we I think we gave both of our kids cell phones around ten and eleven years. Okay, old. but when they're in travel sports or they're in the church, which is on the other side of town, you know, you you want that peace of mind, if you will, where they can text you and say, "Hey, you know, I'm almost done with class. You can leave now." It takes you fifteen twenty minutes to get across town, or they're in a, a carpool with another parent or something like that. And again, I think it goes back to, I mean, our kids are not perfect by any means, but we really locked it down, and you can lock down this technology. It doesn't mean you need to give them a smartphone. You can give a flip phone with limited usage. And if they're going to go buy, you know, the burner phones, which I thought was really interesting, they can do that. But, you know, like you said, if you catch them, it's over. And my my other threat was, you know, hey, if you go over so many minutes or – if that's the type of plan you have, I mean, I would literally let them watch me take money out of their savings account, deposit it into mine, and then I would pay that portion of the bill. Right. I wasn't. I wasn't too popular, but you know, for the parents that uh, you know that seem to have lost a little bit of control, we all do a little bit. You need to set the rules and lock it down, and that's the rule. You See, know? Uh, fair enough. Now, thanks to call. I, let me just share with you a portion. Of this, this whole burner phone aspect of it. So, and, and I, I bring this up not to scare parents. That's not the idea. But to just tell you about this other world that's out there that maybe you haven't contemplated. Let me just share a little portion of the Wall Street Journal story. Um, here's the guy. Uh, his name is Rich Wystocki. He's a retired detective for, for Naperville, as a matter of fact, the Naperville Police Department. He gives talks about cyber safety. So this is right in your neck of the woods, Scott. Here's what he says. In almost every high school across the country, there is a kid who sells burner phones from their locker. Teens don't always use, don't only use burner phones when their regular phones are taken away. They sometimes use them to post on social media profiles that their parents don't know about. Um, maybe they've got a fake Instagram account. And somebody else says, hey, friends can e- kids can easily get their hands on a phone through a friend or buying online and once they do that, they're off to the races. So I, I bring that up because, again, I, I, look, I'm, I'm a big believer in modern technology, and cell phones have, have revolutionized the world. I, I get that, and they've certainly made our lives a lot easier. I'm old enough to remember when, you know, th- there were these things called pay phones, and, you know, you'd get off the plane, and what you'd do is you'd run to the pay phone, and you'd call home to make sure that, you know, everything was okay. So now we don't have pay phones that are out there anymore, but... All right, there's also this kind of dark side that's out there, and you got to pay attention to that as well. This is Jeff Wagner. 
Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us. Before I forget, indulge me a moment personally. My very best friend in the world, Evan, uh, it's his birthday today. So... My birthday's tomorrow. It's always kind of been interesting. We had our kind of back-to-back birthdays. But before I forget, happy birthday, Evan. Offer to take him out to buy him a beer after work. We'll, we'll see. I've been sending it. I, for people who say, well, you need the cell phones and stuff to stay in, in touch, I, I've been sending just off and on during breaks. I've been trying to reach out to communicate with different people. I've been sending out these texts. Nobody's getting back to me anyway. So just having that cell phone, just, it, okay, I've got the cell phone. I send out the note, but I'm not getting the information back. But happy birthday, Evan. All right. I want to. We're going to cover a lot of ground on this hour of the the program. Um, a couple, uh, some some heavy lifting, and then some lighter as the as the show wears on. I, as a general rule, and I have been doing a radio show in this market full or part time for like twenty three, twenty four years. I learned early on that there was one issue that I almost never talked about, and that is the that is abortion. Well, Jeff, why do you not talk about abortion? And, and just let me explain this quickly. I, it, it's an issue that I, I just don't think is – I don't think it fits well into the framework of at least what I do because the truth is people are never going to agree on this. And, and that that's just the, the reality. Your view on abortion – is going to be shaped by a number of different things. It's going to be shaped perhaps by your your religious beliefs. Maybe it's going to be shaped by your personal experiences. In maybe it's going to be shaped again by any one of a number of factors. And you know, I can open up the phone lines and I guarantee you I'd have full phone lines from people, you know, arguing the merits of this or you know why it should be legal or why it shouldn't be legal. And and we wouldn't we, we wouldn't pl- we wouldn't bring we wouldn't reach a consensus we wouldn't it, would be, it is it kind of it is what it is the other thing that has always kind of informed me on this is the fact that you know the supreme court of the united states in the case of roe versus wade has essentially said that abortion is legal it is a constitutional right and so many of the discussions you have are completely and totally academic you're not going to change people's minds one way or the other and it's an academic thing because the the supreme court has spoken on this now i bring this up because there's a dramatic new development which is is it's actually it's it's going on as we're speaking Many state legislators, legislatures, have kind of tinkered around the edges of Roe versus Wade. They, they've passed legislation which puts restrictions on people's ability to have uh, abortions. Some are more restrictive th- than others, but they've never gone to the point of, of again, outlawing abortions because Roe versus Wade says it's a constitutional right. That's pretty much about to change because the Alabama Senate yesterday approved a measure for out in Alabama, which if the governor signs it into law and people suggest that she probably will, if the governor signs it into law, this measure would effectively make illegal almost all abortions in the state. Um, it would provide the only exception it would provide would be a case where the mother's life is at serious risk but otherwise abortions would be illegal it wouldn't have exceptions for situations of rape or incest 
it would be essentially a ban with the exception of for the life of, of the mother. It would also make it criminal for a doctor to perform this procedure. And doctors who perform a procedure at any stage of the pregnancy could be charged with felonies and could be looking at life at, at 100 years in prison, 99 years in prison. This, this bill is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. Because this isn't, we're not nibbling around the edges. We're not trying to restrict. This is something that says we don't care what Roe versus Wade says. We're we're going to outlaw abortion. Now, here's the way this all plays out. What happens is if Alabama puts this into effect, there will be an immediate challenge to it. It will go to a district, federal district court. The federal district court will put the law on hold. But then the case will, in all likelihood, proceed up to the U.S. Supreme Court. The reason this is going on is because I think that there's people around the country and legislators in Alabama who think that with a different makeup of the Supreme Court, we might be in a position um, that th- this is the time where the United States Supreme Court might be willing to take a completely different look at Roe and might change Roe versus Wade to say maybe there's not a constitutional right to abortion. The question that I have always had about this is is whether, given where we have been over the years with abortion, can you ever put the genie back in the bottle? You know, given the fact that abortion has been legal for decades and decades and decades, could we ever reach a point where, okay, you know, we, we're now going to suddenly say that this is, in fact, illegal? Now, it, it would be a state-by-state state sort of thing. Just because Alabama doesn't does something doesn't mean that Wisconsin would, would have to do that as well. But 414-799-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. This is the way I want to approach it. Given the fact that abortion, regardless of how you feel about it, has been legal in this country for decades and decades and decades. Can we go back and now make it illegal? 414-799-1620. Let's start with Mark in Kenosha. Mark, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, thanks for having me. What do you think? You know, I think that it's absolutely appalling that we are going to try to go so far to make health care decisions for people that are not ourselves. And, you know... The people that are trying to push for this, they're not the ones that have to live with the repercussions of these decisions for the rest of their lives. And even in cases of rape or incest, where you would think it would be a no-brainer, you know, if you don't like abortions, if you don't believe in abortions, that's okay. You don't have to get one. But if you're going to tell someone else that you have to abide by my rules and laws and reasons for this, and those decisions affect you for the rest of your life, your finances for the rest of your life, you could drop out of school or college or whatever if you if you can't afford to take care of a child at the same time. And even in cases of rape or incest, you're going to tell a, a woman that she was violated and now has to live with that reminder for the rest of her life because I don't think it's right that you get an abortion. Well, and you're going to put so and you're going to put a doctor in prison for up to 99 years for performing it. I mean, that's the other thing for performing an abortion. All that's it, the other thing that's all do. it's going to do. You, you, they tried it with prohibition with alcohol because some people didn't like alcohol, and you know what? That's their right. But then they don't have to drink. You're going to sit there and just make it all go underground, which is an even bigger danger to women because the women that are still that 
set on getting an abortion, they're going to turn to other methods, unsafe, unhealthy methods to do so, putting themselves in even more risk. Well, as I don't a, think wait. we should be making decisions for women like Fair that. Fair enough. Thanks for calling. I mean, as, as a practical matter, it would seem to me that if if Alabama were to pass a law like this, and it, the, the more likely thing is that it wouldn't stop abortions because it would only apply to Alabama. The more likely thing is that people, women in Alabama who wanted to have this procedure done, they'd, they'd go to Mississippi or they'd go to Florida or they, they'd go wherever to have this done. But, but, you know, are we, it's now 2019. Are we changing our, our view of this? And, you know, is this something that the Supreme Court I, – I still – I have to tell you, I think it is still extremely unlikely that the Supreme Court of the United States, even given the, the makeup of it currently, I don't think they're going to overrule Roe versus Wade. I don't think it's likely to, to happen. But legislators in Alabama obviously think differently. All right. Is it time to take a new look at this in 2019? We continue the conversation in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. There's no getting around it. This abortion law in Alabama, if passed, is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. It says abortions would be illegal anywhere in Alabama. Um, the only exception would be for the life of the mother. It's If they pass it, what they're hoping is that the Supreme Court will take it and consider reversing Roe versus Wade. I think that is unlikely. Let's talk to John in Hartford. Hi, John. Well, hi. Thanks for taking my call. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm a, um, a, a Lutheran pastor involved in pro-life issues. And there is a huge misunderstanding most people have about what would happen if Roe versus Wade gets overturned. Before Roe versus Wade, every state had its own say on abortion. Mm-hmm. Most states, you know, totally banned it. But there were some who allowed it under right. almost you know, a number of conditions. Overturning Roe versus Wade would only take us back to that point. Right. It wouldn't outlaw abortions in America. You would just put it in each hands in each state. Right. So in the example here, it would outlaw essentially outlaw abortions for all intents and purposes in Alabama, except for that narrow exception. But somebody who wanted an abortion could go to Florida or Mississippi or Georgia Correct. or wherever. Correct. It wouldn't be outlawed in the land, only in individual states that would choose to do that. Should the Supreme Court reassess Roe versus Wade? You know, I'm, <laughs> as pro-life as I am, that that's an exceptionally hard issue because yeah. I, I I can see abortions under certain circumstances, right? Um, and I'm not going to go into all the okay. details no. here. On fair, that, no, fair, no, 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 John. Okay. Fair enough. I appreciate that, and and that's why. Look, that that's why it's so difficult, and it's why some people say, "Well, you don't talk about abortion all very often." I don't because it's. It's one of those things where, again, people's perspectives on this, it just it varies so much based on, against personal circumstances and religious beliefs and gender as well. You know, whenever you go down this route, you know, women are women say, well, OK, it's, it's easy for some middle aged you know, male to say, you know, what you should do with your body. And I think there, there's an element of, of truth to that. So. I bring this up only to put this on your radar screen because this is for, I think, really the first time 
it is a direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. And John is correct that even if Roe versus Wade were overturned, this it would it would leave it in the hands of different state legislator legislatures and 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 different states could make that decision. I still think, as I say, it is unlikely that this that the precedent is so strong and the ramifications of overturning Roe would be so great on society. I, I don't I don't see a majority of the Supreme Court doing it, but this is where we're heading. And if you're very, very vested in one side of the issue or the other, you, you want to be paying attention to this because this is I mean, for the first time in you know however many decades, this is this is the direct challenge to Roe versus Wade. And w- where it where it plays out, I guess none of us know for sure. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. So very glad to have you with us. All right. If I wanted to go there, I would not let the fact that it was a Donald Trump branded property stop me from going there. Would you? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I bring this up because up until President Trump became President Trump, there was a certain, what's the word I'm looking for, cachet to the Trump brand. You know, rightly or wrongly, it had an image of exclusiveness, oh, success, etc., etc. One of the properties, for example, that the, 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 the Donald Trump owned, the Trump corporations owned, was the Doral Resort outside of Miami. Doral is... Um, probably best known for the golf tournament that they've had for years and years they've got the blue monster it's been a it's been it's a high-end hotel and it's been a destination place for a number of people for years and years well here the story out today in the Washington Post that this Doral resort which was a huge a huge money maker at least in years past now the revenue at this resort dramatically down in the last couple years and it's including hotel business and banquet business and golf and overall revenue the resort's net operating income had fallen essentially since Donald Trump got into the presidential race and then became president it's fallen by almost 70 percent that is a staggering number when you think about it. And what they're finding is, as you look across a number of the other high-performing, like Trump hotels, New York, Chicago, etc., they are seeing similar types of, of results. So it's tough; it's a little bit tough to quantify, um, you know, how much of a decline there is. But there's no question that a lot of people are simply saying, hey, maybe I would have stayed at a Trump property beforehand, but now I don't like what's going on, so I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to go to Doral to play golf. I've got all sorts of different choices. Um, now, some of that business is being made up by other people who say, gee, I, I want to go support the president. We're going to have our banquet here or there or whatever. Our number, 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. How intertwined is the Trump name and the properties to you? Because like I say, it, I, I've always wanted to play Doral. Uh, you know, and if I was, if I was in South Florida and I had the opportunity to do it. And a couple people said, hey, let's go on a golf vacation and, and we're going to play the Blue Monster and we're going to stay at Doral. 
I I do it. The, the fact that it was, and and I I wouldn't have a political aspect on it one way or the other. It would be, hey, I'm I'm doing this because I've always wanted to play at this golf course, and I hear that it's a nice hotel. I wouldn't care whether it was President Trump's company's hotel or not. 414-799-1620, would you, are you less likely, would you be completely opposed to, all right, you know, we're going to Chicago, um, there's this convention, and it's at the Trump property. I'm not going because it's at the Trump property. I'm not going to go to dinner at the hotel in New York because it's a Trump property. Would, would that influence you? It wouldn't affect me. 414-799-1620. Like I say, if somebody said, oh, we're going to go to Doral and we're going to play the Blue Monster and there are other courses that they have there, I'd say, cool, that sounds like a great opportunity. 414-799-1620. Will you boycott, would you be boycotting Trump properties? And I bring this up because a lot of people obviously are. Um, Karen in Menominee Falls. Karen, you're first. Hello. Hi, I uh, I wouldn't stay there to begin with, and another second one I couldn't afford it anyhow. Okay, well let, let's let's assume <laughs> let's assume you could afford it. Let's assume it would. Let's assume somebody invited you to lunch at one of the Trump property. You're in Chicago, and somebody says, "Hey, we're going to invite you to the hotel." On on principle, would you not go? I would not go on I principle. Do not think that man is presidential or oh. should be. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. All right. No, thanks for call. Okay. I, I mean, I guess that that's what I'm asking because it's to me that's the fundamental question. You you could disagree with the president. I don't think he's presidential. Don't like his policies. Whatever. That that's fine. I guess the question becomes: Is that then going to inform your decision that that means hey, it's a great golf course. I've always wanted to play that golf course, but because he owns it, I'm not going to play it. Um, let's see. Here's a text. Jeff, Trump, Duneburg, Ireland. I had no qualms whatsoever staying there when I took my mom and dad to Ireland. My mom was hesitant, but once we stayed there, it was great. No politics mentioned by anyone at the resort, just golf and the spa. And in County Clare, um, it's the only five-star hotel. Um, okay, here's another text. Jeff, the owners of the Buck Stadium are very, very far left-wing and they're donors to Democrats. That's true. But I would still go see a Bucks game. I could care less what people's political ties are. Here's another text. Of course it would influence my decision. Why would I want to put money into someone's pocket if I don't respect or like what he has to say? Well, that's where do you draw the line on that? And I guess that that's the question. Because you might disagree with the politics of the people that own the Bucks, does that mean that you're not going to root for the Bucks or you're not going to go to Pfizer Forum? I, you know, how far do you end up drawing you know that line? Because and this is what the larger point is. Because the folks at Chick Fil A, and I'm a huge Chick Fil A fan. I think they make great sandwiches. Because the folks at Chick Fil A have a They've supported conservative candidates, and they have a, a fundamental, they have a certain religious view. So you're not going to patronize Chick-fil-A? I mean, how how far how far do you end up carrying that, and to, to, what, to what end? Now, I guess you can always say, well, Jeff, I don't have to stay at that hotel. There's all sorts of hotels I can stay at in New York or Chicago or whatever. But I don't know. Where do you draw the line? Let's talk to Nancy in Greendale. Hi, Nancy. You're on WTMJ. Yeah, how are you? I'm well, thank you. Okay, would you would you hesitate to go to a Trump property? You know, back when he was on The Apprentice and he was kind of part of the elite uh, social group, I probably would have avoided that. But now that he's done so much 
for the country and for the people of the country. Um, I've seen some real changes in him in terms of his approach to life and what's important to him. I would definitely make an effort to stay there. Okay, so you're you would be one of those people who fit in the category of I'm more likely to go because he of because he's president. Yeah, that was a roundabout way I said that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> got it. No, th- no, no, thanks. No, no, you, just, you said it just absolutely fine. I was just kind of like like restating it because what they're finding is that there there are those those people out there like you, Nancy, that, um, however, there, there apparently appears to be, I mean, again, looking at the drop in revenue, and, and it's always tough to measure these things because, you know, who, who knows why revenue is down. But what they're finding is that there's a, a dis... I guess at other similarly situated properties, they haven't had the drop-off um, that you've had at the Trump properties. So I think the fair conclusion is there's some people who are trying to stay away from this. I, again, to me, it, it wouldn't make any difference because, like I say, just because I disagree with the politics of the Bucks owners, classic example. Does that mean I'm not going to support the Bucks? Well, no, it, it's 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 not. I mean, I, why, if it's something I enjoy and I enjoy going to basketball games, why am I going to let that influence but but that's just me people do get to vote with their wallets okay i'm going to take a quick break i want to completely shift gears i want to shift gears and i want to throw out this topic because we're only gonna have a couple minutes when we come back there are a number of people who are coming into town we're gonna to have folks coming in from toronto because of the basketball finals you've got all these people who are coming from the national media you know you're going to have your abc's you're going to have your tnt's you have all this here if, as I believe is going to happen, the Bucks beat Toronto, you know, then you're going to have even more attention when you know, the Bucks are in the NBA Finals. All right, there is an overriding question that a lot of people are coming who are coming to southeastern Wisconsin are going to be asking. Groot, do you know what that question is? You do not. Well, you should have read closer the memo I sent you this morning on show prep because the overriding question is: You come to Milwaukee, all right? Where's the best place to go to get frozen custard? 414-799-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All right. All these people from all over the country, all over the world perhaps, are going to be descending on our community over the course of the next couple weeks because of the basketball team. All right. We are famous for frozen custard. Where do we tell people to go and why? 414-799-1620. Got to call quickly. We only got a couple minutes once we come back after the break. 414-799-1620. Your nomination, the best frozen custard. If you're coming into southeastern Wisconsin, where do we send people? We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Okay, this hour of the program, we're going where angels fear to tread. We were talking about the Alabama abortion law. We were talking about whether you'd stay at Donald Trump properties. But now the important thing. All right, if people are coming into southeastern Wisconsin for all the stuff that's going on, like the basketball tournament, the basketball finals, where where do we send them for frozen custard? Let's start with Richard in Milwaukee. Hi, Richard. Yes. I am 73 years old, and there's only one for me. I've been to them all, and Gillies on 76th and Blue Mountain is the best. It oh. doesn't leave a film on your mouth like some of them. Um, it's just delicious. Best oh. ever, and it's probably the oldest one. Okay, well, and, and see, and I love that place too, Richard. Now, I, I, the only thing I have to do is I, I hate to correct you. I really do, because I used to say Gillies as well. It's actually, they, it's pronounced Gillis. Gillis's. Yeah. <laughs> 
yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, right. So I think yes, I I I love the I love the place too, and it's it's spelled you know G I L L E S. Everybody says it, it's Gillies, but it's actually it's pronounced Gillises, um, as opposed to Gillies. Um, it's just but but it's absolutely tremendous. Four one four seven nine nine one six twenty. Rita in Muskego. Rita, where do we send visitors for frozen custard? Leon's frozen custard on Twenty Seventh Street. I, my um, my late wife grew up on the South Side, and that was, you know, I tried to argue that okay, no, there, there's other places around. Like I grew up in in Glendale, so I was a cops kid. She would, I could never move her on that. You know, that was one of our big treats. We would drive down to South Twenty Seventh Street and go to Leon's. It's very good frozen custard. It, well, you know, I love the whole ambiance of it too. You know, the walk, the you, the walk up windows. I think they only take cash. You know, it just it's the. I mean, it's it's like a throwback to 1965. It definitely is. No, it is. No, thanks. I I, I absolutely love Le- Leon's. Leon's is the 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 quintessential old style frozen custard stand. No credit cards, I don't think. At least they never used to. And you know, not indoor seating. I mean, you just you just kind of walk up to the window, you pull your car up. Ron in Menominee Falls. Ron, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, Ron. If you haven't had Leon's, you haven't had custard. <laughs> okay. So so do you drive from Menominee Falls down to South Twenty Seventh Street? Well, I grew up on the north side, but uh, I married into a family on the south side, and I got. Changed over real quick. Yeah, I've been I've been going to Leon's for thirty years. Yeah, isn't it? And again, it's I, I mean I love everything. I love the ambiance of it. I mean, yep. again, it's just it's 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 custard and it's burgers and it's a limited amount of things and you eat it in your car or maybe it, I think they got a couple picnic tables or something. But it's it's like, it's like a happy days type of thing. It, you know, it's, it is, and it hasn't changed. No, thanks to call. And I I I absolutely I love that. Now I'm still. I'm still not willing to agree that it's it's the best. What I do, how I would answer this question, and I get to do this. I'm asking you for one, but as the host, I, I always I, I would name I would name three. I would say Leon's, I would say Gillis's, and I would say, well, Barb, what do you think? Barb and Hale's Corners. Where do you go for frozen custard? Oh, hands down, cops. <laughs> okay, okay. What makes cops so special? I think when you just walk in there and you see that custard coming out of those machines you want to stick your mouth under there. <laughs> yeah, it, right, it, it is. And then, then they're asking, you know, you know, how big a cone do you want? You're thinking, just just give me all that. I I, I admit, I, I I love cops. Now, part of it, again, is because I, I grew up in, in Glendale, so there was a cops on Port Washington Road. Um, but they're, they're all good. Now, thanks, thanks for calling. I mean, for me, it kind of depends on where I am when I get that craving for the, the, the frozen custard. But you, you can't go wrong with Gillis's. You can't go wrong with cops and you certainly can't go wrong with leon's let's talk to karen in menominee falls karen you're on wtmj hi hi karen oscars in west dallas okay where in west dallas i i've been there but i can't place it where in west dallas is it highway 100 and greenfield avenue okay got it got it got it got Mm -hmm. it and there's another location in waukesha okay so what makes oscars yes Yes, I think actually uh, the one in Waukesha we would go to with my niece and nephew. What? Why do you like it so much? It's. I think it's the best. I've had all of them, and I, like that one original caller said, there's no waxy film in your mouth from any of the flavors, and it's hmm. the creamiest. It's it's the best. Okay. Now, see, I I have no frame of reference when you say any of the flavors because I'm a vanilla guy. 
I, I, my, my producer is kind of like rolling his eyes. I mean, you're not surprised about that. No, I, and it's not, I, I get teased by my friends and people who purport to love me a lot about that because they'll say, what do you mean you're getting vanilla? And I say, well, it's because I like vanilla. It's not that I don't like butter pecan or I don't like chocolate chip. It's not that I don't like these other different flavors. It's that I prefer vanilla. And and I think there is something to be said about being consistent. You know, I mean, it's kind of, that's what I would say. I, I know what I like. I, okay, so I, I don't change. I, I like this type of, I like this type of underwear. I like this type of t-shirt. I, I mean, it's the type of thing that I, I think, you know, you should take comfort in, that I, I know what I like. And once I find something I like, I, I don't deviate from that. And, and yeah, so I, I have no perspective on, on chocolate ice cream or chocolate custard. It's just because I get vanilla every time I get a chance. Okay, good ideas. So when somebody comes up to you and says, where do we go for frozen custard in southeast Wisconsin? Now you know. When we come back, we're going to find out what John McCure has on his mind. Please stick around. This is Jeff Wagner.